0: Lifeway, Lifeway, Leadership. Leadership. LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network.
1: You're listening to Ask Me Anything with Pastor J.D. Greer. Honest questions, quick answers. I'm your host, Todd Unzicker, and this is where J.D. Greer says, Ask Me Anything. Ask Me Anything with J.D. Greer. Honest questions, quick answer. I'm your host, Todd Unzicker, and this week, J.D., the question comes, what do you wish every worship leader knew about their ministry?
0: I actually got this question first from our one of our, our our head worship leaders who just said, hey, why don't you come in and talk, and let's make sure we're on the same page. And so, yeah, I said, well, how many? At first, I thought I'd give three. And then he said, well, um, he said, why don't you try to come up with like ten and I thought, man, I don't know if I could come up with ten. And within fifteen minutes, I'd written down fourteen or fifteen or so. So I that, that sounds like a lot. I'm going to give them to you. The fourteen things I told them I want our worship leaders to understand here. All right. And, but um, I, I, I'll give them to you with only like a thirty second explanation on each of them, just because. All I right. realize Quick I could podcast, get... fourteen lists. All right, here we go. So number one, I always tell them um, that we need to teach the people how to respond in worship, um, and that is that you know any leader in any context. Um, should take responsibility when the people aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. I, I used to, as a pastor, I would get very frustrated when man, I'd preach at what I thought was... Uh clear sermon or a clear action call and people wouldn't do it. Um, I think maturity has helped me realize that I should always first blame myself. Like it wasn't the people's fault they didn't do this. It was my fault. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't lead them the correct way. I didn't use the right motivations. It doesn't mean it's always my fault. It just means that's where I should start. So I, I try to tell that to them as well. I'm like, you know, if the congregation is not responding, don't berate the congregation. Ask what 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 have I not done that that brings them in and draws them along and realize it is your job not just to lead worship in front of them. It is to figure out how to, to bring them along in worship and do what it takes to do that. Um, the second ties into that, and that is um, you know, that, that, that the posture guides the heart in Scripture, and sometimes we need to direct people into how to respond. Um, I did this word study or this concept study through the Scriptures a few years ago where I went through at all the different places that God commands us to, um, to shout, to clap, uh, to, uh, to rejoice in the Lord, to worship, and, you know, to, to, to lift our hands and realize that it, these were commands. They were not, you know, if you feel like it, do it. And I was like, well, isn't it inauthentic to, you know, to, to shout to the Lord if you don't feel like it? Right. And what I realized was in the scripture, the question is not, what do you feel like? The question is, what is God worthy of? And God is worthy of exuberant worship. So even when I don't feel like it, I should do it. And the kind of the secret is, is that the posture guides the heart. Many times, when I'm, you know, if I'm on my knees, that is actually putting my heart in a posture of submission, and my heart will follow that. When my hands are lifted up and when I'm shouting to the Lord um, because he's worthy of it, my heart will realize this is a God worthy of. Of, of this kind of joy. And, and my heart will follow along. Um, the third thing I tell them is that your people, what they need most is a pastor, not a performer. Um, a pastor is someone who guides and shapes them. I, I try to tell ours that that's, you know, um, reflected by the fact that you don't hide out in the green room in between the services and come out and, uh, you know, and drop some awesome worship bombs and go back in there. I mean, we always say that the first seven minutes before and after every service, all of us, the people that are on stage ought to be down front, just engaging with people because that's you know, we're there about their lives and not just to. You know, and that's why when you
1: them. get done preaching, you're always down front after the service is over. When yeah, I try to every time.
0: Yeah, there's a big tendency to want, man, I just want to go back and relax a little bit. But man, this is my only time in the week where I get to see as many people as I can, um, and so I just stand down there for seven seven minutes. So I try to encourage our, our people, our worship leaders, with that too. Um, the fourth one again kind of ties into that: don't lead for the artist, uh, lead for the congregation. Um, there's a tendency. So I mean, when when I um first got into writing books. Uh, one of my um, publishers looked at me and said, he said, you need to stop writing for your seminary professor because I, he says you have this ghost over the, your shoulder and you're always trying to think, like, what are they going to say? He said, I don't mean to be sloppy in your theology, but realize most of your seminary professors aren't going to read your books and they're not really that impressed with your books. Write this for the congregation God has called you to lead. I, I want to say the same thing to our worship leaders, and I want to say it, it, there's a tendency to write for other artists mm-hmm. and to lead for other artists. When what you should do is is lead the congregation, and that's just a different. It's a different filter. It's a different mindset. It means that some of your artist friends may say, "Well, I don't really you know like that." But the point is, what is the congregation? What ministers to and blesses them? A very practical way this applies. As I tell them, you know, um, you end up getting sick of a song and feeling like it's sort of blasé a lot quicker than the congregation right. does. Uh, you know, we always say here at the summit, Todd, that when I'm tired of when I'm sick of saying something, that's when the congregation has just heard it our worship leaders, when they're sick of singing a song, that means our congregation has probably just begun to learn it. And we want them singing these songs in their heart. We don't want them admiring them in the moment they're they're done in church. We want them throughout the week, you know, singing the words of these songs, because that's what you know, worship is. It's, it's theology. I've heard it said, it's sermons people can remember because right. they can sing them. Yeah. And so we, we got to do it. And so even when you feel like, well, a real artist will be coming out with something new, realize the point is not the artist, the point is the, is the congregation. Number five um, is that nobody—this <laughs> one sounds a little aggressive here, but um, I, I said it with a wink, you know, kind of a twinkle of my—nobody um, is as enamored with your music as you are, most worship leaders love to write new music and put it out there and we encourage that here and we we try to free up our worship leaders to give them some time for writing but but it's just like me um i think i'll write a sermon Todd and i feel like it's the greatest thing it's ever and nobody else is is, is as impressed with that that sermon or that thing as i am it's just you you have a love for your own art and it, the same thing is true with worship man they just love that song but I'm just like, you know like let's just make sure the congregation let's think about them and if singing a song somebody else wrote does more for them than the songs that we write then let's let's do that let's just keep our focus on the congregation and realize that we have a bias toward our own art number six um, I encourage them to talk with their pastor, which obviously in this case is me about about what they're trying to accomplish in a, a service like what are what are the different, the movements, how are we leading people to repentance and joy and how are we responding so that we can we can really we, so that we enter this worship service together, not just with their part to perform and my part to preach, but we really are like, man, this is an experience for the people of God. To be in the presence of God and to grow in the in the knowledge of God,
1: and they're with you during the week when you're preparing your sermon. They do,
0: yeah. We go over with on Wednesday and we walk through the whole service just make sure everything is is, is really tying together. At uh, number seven, um, this one sounds a little almost a little um, whimsical, but to take the audience mood into consideration, that's not there's nothing unspiritual about that. Uh, you know, you may feel like we want to start with, you know, just sort of like just. Heaviness and and gospel truth, and I'm like, you know, when people get in there, their minds are a bazillion places, and so having things that call them together, sometimes, often here at the Summit Church as an example, we'll start kind of high and high energy, Um, and that's because we're trying to pull people in and trying to get their, you know, get us to think as a congregation, and then we can go through some of the other, whether it's deeper or more, uh, more reflective moments. And there's nothing wrong with just, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. There's, There's nothing wrong with just starting out, you know, realizing man, I gotta take time to get people together. So
1: that'd be number seven. Yep. Well, hold on, we wanna hear eight and the rest of them, but before we do, we wanna take a moment to uh, acknowledge some great news that our sponsors have, and they make this podcast available. And you know, training your volunteers and leaders is important, but do you ever feel like, just don't know where to start? Well, the Lifeway Leadership has developed Ministry Grid. Ministry Grid's a library of over 3,000 training videos and they work that has been done for you ahead of time and you'll be able to train everyone in your church with this. And this training is training that you can trust. Each Ministry Grid video features an experienced ministry leader who's been there where you are. You can also customize any training by adding videos, PDFs, YouTube videos, and more. All you need to do is know that Ministry Grid now has one plan with one price, so you have unlimited access to train your entire church. Just go to ministrygrid.com to learn more. Once again, that's ministrygrid.com. Now, back to the podcast. Pastor JD, what's the rest of the list? You've given okay. us
0: seven. So we're on number that was seven. Half time. N- number eight, halftime. Here we go. Okay, second half. Um, I, I encourage them to think about what they're going to say up front. A lot of times, you know, a lot, lot, lot of worship pastors will say, I'm not really a public speaker. Um, but they're going to have to end up doing a lot of speaking if they're leading the congregation well, and so instead of just standing up and winging it, I mean, I, I feel like I'm a professional speaker, and I usually craft out everything I'm going to say, um, because in that moment, you just, I mean, you need to think about, about what I'm saying, how to make it brief, how to not to ramble on, um, you know, how not to, to say dumb things. Um, there, I mean, you know, worship leaders, uh, uh, there was an article, I think it was Jared Wilson put out, um, where he just, he mentioned some things that worship leaders say that just don't they don't fit. They feel natural in the moment, but they don't fit a worship context. Like, how do you guys feel? Well, like who cares how people, we feel like center. We come into the place, not because we're here and we feel good and want to put that on display. We come needing the ministry of, of the gospel. So don't ask me how I feel, lead me in, in what the gospel says, um, or, or they'll say, are you ready to have some fun? Well, I mean, I, I guess I know what they're trying to say there, but, but not really. I mean, that's what I'm here to do is I'm here to I'm here to think about my sin and the greatness of God's grace, and uh, or or they'll say God showed up. Man, God really showed up today. And again, I know what they're trying to say with that, but it just, I don't know. It's just a way of a way of of it, it, what that ends up doing is equating emotional, um, kind of emotional high with the presence of God, and those don't always go together, right? And uh, so think about what you're going to say. Think about what you're going to say. Yeah, uh, number nine. I tell them don't just execute the plan. Read the moment. Um, man, there are times. Uh, this is true in sermons too. Or something will make so much sense in the study or the preparation place, and and you just you know worship is supposed to be a rhythm of revelation and response. It is supposed to be an interaction of the people of God, the Word of God, and the Spirit of God. And especially when you got the Spirit of God at work, there are times that He will begin to make something alive. He'll begin to press a truth home. And if you're in that moment, you can sense like God is doing something. And if you're just like trying to get back to the plan because we got you know the clickers. Rolling, and we got to get back to this at four minutes and thirty seconds. Then you can miss some of the things the Spirit of God wants to do. So really, read the moment. Of course, to do that, you got to be in the moment, which I always tell them: don't, don't do the stuff, then go backstage, and you know. um, But make sure that you're aware of what's happening, and 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 you're you're interacting with the Spirit of God and listening to Him. Number ten. Never, ever, 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 ever re-preach the sermon. You have r- lots of thoughts on that. I do, because you get up there, and first of all, they just sat and listened to me or somebody else talk to them for 45 minutes. The last thing they need is somebody getting up and talking for four more about what they just heard. Man, they were there. They heard it. Um, if you're going to use it, just use a line or two to say, man, let's let's rejoice in the grace of God, or let's rejoice and think about the holiness of God or something. So don't re-preach the sermon. Uh, after. In fact, after a long talking time, the people are not ready to listen to somebody else. They're ready to usually express themselves and in worship. Uh, number eleven, guard that time for preaching. Um, I realize this could sound self-serving. If I were talking to other pastors, I would say you make sure your preaching guards the time for worship because worship is crucial in, in what we come together to do. But I just tell them like, man, just respect that. Respect that the Word of God ought to be central, mm-hmm. and so you know, stay within what um, what what you've been given there. And then uh, number twelve, affirm your pastor again. I know it sounds self-serving, but um, man i just i love it when people when i walk off stage and there's somebody that tells me something really specific that God used in their life and man your pastor is a lot like probably you as a worship pastor he's wondering like did any did this click with anybody did anybody and for you to say man god is is, is anointing you he's on you he gives me better confidence to preach the next sermon um, or the next week so um, anyway just affirm him uh, it'll take your relationship a long way number 13. Uh, don't sweat the themes too much I mean, we used to early in ministry be like okay we got to have everything tied together exactly and the song's got to move exactly like this and this and I realized nobody was paying any attention to that right I mean, people just don't have that bandwidth and so you know just kind of realize that what we need to do is is move through the gospel in the the worship service and not try to tie everything together in a real tight cute outline last one number 14 in choosing the response song think more about the gospel than how to tie it in exactly to the pastor's sermon. Um, you know, they, For a while, we were always trying to figure out what song best captured exactly what I just said. Um, the problem with that is, first of all, it's just very difficult. Second of all, it's like Charles Spurgeon used to say, at the end of every sermon, I try to plow a trough back to the gospel, which means that um, the power to do anything that we've just been talking about comes from the gospel. So we ought to respond to pretty much any sermon with the gospel, and that ought to be the the focus of that last response song. Um, you know, it's, it, it, I always tell our our, um, our worship leaders if if my sermon can't end in communion, they don't always end in communion, but if they can't end in communion, it's, it's been a bad sermon. Right? Because every sermon should should bring us back to um, the grace of the gospel and the power available in the gospel. And you know, if if I'm one of those weeks, I don't do a good job bringing it back to the gospel. Well, that's a great place for the worship leader to step in and not correct me, but to say, hey, folks, we've just heard some great truths to live out, but man, we need to direct our attention back to what Jesus can do in us and through us and what he's done for us. So, you know, end it with the gospel and and, and let that be the the basis of your response.
1: And, you know, this list as a former campus pastor here at the summit, this list seems to fit. Well, for campus pastors, a lot of these principles. Yep. You uh, very passionately reminded me of some of these as times when I was one of your campus pastors. So, uh, this is fantastic what every worship leader uh, should know about their pastor here on Ask Me Anything with JD Greer. I'm your host, Todd Unziker. We we'll look forward to having you join us next time on the podcast.